Today on Movie Royal Arts, we talk about Uncle Frank, Hillbilly Elegy, and Black Bear. It's time for Movie Rollers. Hi, this is Joe. Hi, it's Rashmi. Yes, well. Movie Rollers is your weekly dose of film reviews, movie news, and general banter in theatres, on DVD, online streaming, or in the back of an airplane. If you love the movies, this show is for you. Greetings. Good evening. Hello, all. So, Rashmi's been. We've both been indulging in a touch of reality yesterday. Like what? The Amazing Race. Oh, I, I love the amazing. I race. love the Amazing Race. It's like it's possibly my favorite one of those game show reality whatever you yeah, want to call it. Yeah, Joe keeps calling it reality, isn't and it reality? it's not reality. It's just a game show. It's but reality. it's not a game show. Oh, it is reality. It's like Survivor. Thank you, Yasti. Or... It's really not. I yeah, think you guys are. Yasti settled hours delusional. of argument in our house. <laughs> but no, I've been I've been loving this latest season. It's yeah, bit, I do like you know, it. In part, it's because you know we feel. You know, Rashmi and I all say one of our drugs of choice is international travel, and we have horrible wanderlust as a result of the pandemic. So, uh, going around the world on the amazing race, even though it really isn't about the places that they go to, still somehow scratches an itch that yeah, is yeah. ridiculously needing to be scratched right plus now. It, so, yeah, plus it really um, scratches my itch of sort of like, you know anthropology and how people are and watching groups of people react and well, competition i love the human part of it like you watch the baking I, show yesterday right yeah you're oh a, i can't have it yeah i i ration my uh, great british bake-off or the great british baking, baking show, show as it's called that in the just u.s makes me hungry. in the uk it's called yeah, in the UK it's called Bake Off, and because of some patent thing, it's called the Baking Show here. But no, I love those. I I savor each episode because there's only so many. But then, do you eat something sweet? Not at that moment, but it's definitely inspired me to bake a lot. I made a souffle and I made a two-tier really? cake. You made yeah, a I made souffle? A, not what two-tiered. Type? Sorry, two-two-layered. What? You made it. Say again. You made a two-layer cake. I made a two-layer cake, which was uh, like a fresh blueberries and uh, fresh cream cake with like a white uh, cream cheese uh, frosting. Wow. So it was like a blueberry lemon cake. Was it I good? I can show you the remnants. It's good, but I didn't, you know, amateur, I, I didn't see the proportions and it's really for 12 people. So I put like it... I mean, it was a major production. It took me four hours to do. And then I, I had this giant cake with me during the pandemic. And you didn't call us. <laughs> and you didn't call us to collect. You can, I'll, I'll, I'm, while you guys talk, I'm going to bring it and show you. There's only a quarter remaining, but it's, it's a, it was a giant cake. And it's Have about yay eaten, high. It's about seven inches high. You've eaten eight people's worth of cake. <laughs> it's been about 10 days. <laughs> No wonder there's a and smile did, on your face. I, I, I was going to say, no wonder your cheeks look really shiny. <laughs> no, I gave a quarter away to my neighbor and I ate a quarter, yes, and I have about half remaining. So he yes. says, the neighbor that uh, we're not yeah. sure exists. Yeah. No, it's good. It's very inspiring. 
I would have never thought to do a two-layer cake. No, no. I was going to say, and my my indulgence has been the fabulous lives of Bollywood wives, which I've started just watching one show out of interest, um, and I literally watched the whole season in a day. It's fantastic. It was, I just had a huge smile on my face. So it's not part of the Real Housewives series done by Andy Cohen or Bravo in the US. It's actually done by um, a, a production company in India. Um, and they're all wives related to the Bollywood film industry. And it's just empty calories, but it's fantastic. And I had a smile on my face the entire time because for me, it was like being with family. It was great. But it never gets mean. They're not humiliating not and degrading as, and pulling no, down each other. In, in fact, the interesting thing is Joe had said to me before, what do you think will be different um, given it's, you know, fabulous lives in, in from Mumbai? And we were trying to sort of preempt what would be different about it. Um, and so we were saying the food obviously will be really delicious. And, um, you know, the fact that these ladies all have servants, how, how, you know, we've talked about this on the show before, Yazdi, how, you know, having servants is a, it's not a, it's not necessarily an upper class thing in Mumbai. Everyone has way more help. Um, but was there lots of fighting? Because no. what I can't stand about the no. Real Housewives yeah. of anywhere yeah. Yeah. is it's edited and distilled bitching. Like, it, that that's what it is. And I can't deal with it. Like, 10 minutes of having that on in my house and I'm, like, ready to run for the hills. So I didn't hear as much shouting in this one. No. This um. wasn't the open sewer that you complain of when I watch uh, <laughs> the regular uh, wives. Okay. So they... The 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 Bollywood the Bollywood wives have more class. I wouldn't say that, but um, <laughs> it's not as shouty, screamy, manipulative, bitchy. Okay, <laughs> but it's super fun. And one of and one of the wives I hear is Neelam, who was a bona fide actress she in was, the eighties. Yeah, I remember exactly. seeing one is, her in one a few is an ex ex actor, and one is from um, Indian matchmaking, right? No. Okay, I'm mixing things yeah, up. Yeah, you're mixing things up. Okay, enough reality. We have to deal with the reality of this podcast, which is three movies to review and time a ticking. So, uh, we're going to talk about three movies this week, Uncle Frank, Hillbilly Elegy, and Black Bear. So, let's start with Uncle Frank and Rashmi, if you can, give us the intro. Yep, so... Uh Accompanied by his teenage niece, a gay literature professor reluctantly returns home to attend his father's funeral. Um, and this is directed by Alan Ball and written by Alan Ball. And you may remember Alan Ball from um, great TV shows like Six Feet Under, uh, amongst other things. And this stars... Um, and American Beauty. Yes. He wrote American Beauty. And... Um, this stars um, Paul Bettany, Sophia Lillis, um, Peter Macadisi, Steve Zahn, Judy Greer, Margot Martindale is in here, Stephen Root, Lois Smith. Um, and um, yeah, it's it's somewhat of a period piece. It's kind of set in the 19, 1970s, early 1970s. So I think we all saw this one. Um, Joe, why don't you get us started this week? Sure. So... I didn't know much about this movie other than um, Rashmi. I think you had 
said it was a must see and you know this is the time of year where you know movies come in thick and fast um, I don't quite have the same appetite or ability to <laughs> watch as many as Rashmi does. Uh, too many other things that my brain wants to occupy its time with. But, you know, when you mentioned, um, well, when when you said this was a, one that we had to see, I, I took the time. And I think I joined you a few minutes in and we, we restarted was, the movie. So Yeah, you were. Thank you for doing that. Yeah. And uh, boy, was this time well spent. Um, you know, being in the hands of... <clears throat> Alan Ball is a very familiar feeling. So I think tonally, uh, he, you know, the way he builds worlds and characters and writes characters and situations, um, you know, this was clearly, uh, you know, his, his handiwork at play here. And um, this movie has, it makes so many wonderful statements without being heavy handed. Um, you know, again, I think the movie is far from perfect and ultimately I think um, is a little less accomplished than it could be by virtue of <clears throat> how it decides to, to kind of wrap things up. But nonetheless, a really great, great movie watching experience here. Uh, it took me into its world performances that I won't forget for, you know, the next decade. So wonderful stuff. Yes, the... Yeah, I liked it a lot as well. It's uh, it's hard to do this kind of stuff. And obviously, I'm sure this movie is not just a little autobiographical because it's set, you know, in the early 70s, right around the time when uh, probably Alan Ball was growing up. Um, and I suspect the niece's character is a stand-in for himself. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know what the truth is. I, I enjoyed the movie. Um, it's If nothing else, it's just an amazing showcase of exceptional acting here i think the two lead uh, the three leads actually uh um sophia lillis who plays uh the niece and then the uncle paul bettany and his partner played by peter mactesi i think they're very good um i think um my 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 one not complain but i think what i wish the movie were not uh, how do i say this i think all of alan ball's um, screenplays are, you know, sort of like M. Night Shyamalan in that he wants to pull the rug from underneath your feet in like in the last 15 minutes of, of, of the story. And he does that here with this, you know, kind of, a, uh, you know, mem a memory that's haunting the main character of Uncle Frank. And I just found that a little... Uh, uncharitable you know it's I, I really felt that that was kind of maybe I, I think he overplayed it just a little bit it was a little too pulpy for me um but it's you know it's hard to fault this movie it's uh it's a wonderful ride um um paul bettany is is really good um young sophia lillis who plays his you know his uh uh, niece. I mean, I had, I had to like stop again. I was watching this. I had to stop and go back and see is she related to Amy Adams? She looks exactly like a young Amy Adams, like exactly to me at least she did. Um, and I think she played it. Uh, she she played a young Amy Adams on one of the HBO shows. But um, yeah, I, I liked it. Maybe just a tad um, deep right for me, but uh, it, it it's a good film, no question about it. Welcome to one of my favorite movies of 2020. Um, for me, this worked 
perfectly on so many levels. I agree with you. It's a little bit overcooked at the end. Um, but for me, it's a beautiful coming of age movie. Um, it captures that special relationship that you have as a young person with an older person who takes an interest in you. Um, mm -hmm. And especially if you're more bookwormy um, and not someone who necessarily spends a lot of time playing with other kids. Um, and it's about being different, not just about the, the, uh, the homosexuality, but different to the rest of your family and how scary that is for anyone who doesn't want to be the same. Um, so there were a lot of themes in here which I really connected with. And then I thought the genius of this movie, and I say the genius, is that it's about the attitudes of today set about 50 years ago. And I just found the dialogue to be beautiful, the soundtrack to be beautiful, and most of all, Paul Bettany, absolutely, I'm going to be... Um, putting down as best actor. This is a British guy who has done good stuff, but I think this is really his, and again, no pun intended, this is his coming out party. And I think Sophia Lillis is just fantastic. So I'll be putting her down and giving her some love for, for best supporting actress. I just love this movie. It broke me at times. And other times it just made me laugh hysterically. And I think um, tonally, it's just perfect, right? It, it's not one of those um, sad movies about, you know, being different. It's about embracing it. Um, I was lucky enough to watch a Q&A with Alan Ball. And one of his inspirations was that he wanted to do a movie about being gay. It's not necessarily autobiographical. There are obviously elements of that. Um, but what he said was that there are too many movies like... Um, Oh, you know, uh, call me by your call me by your name, or uh, you know, a single was it a single man? The Tom mm -hmm. Ford one, where yeah, they're always very tragic, right? The love story is very tragic, and he wanted to do something where there was a bit more positivity. So, again, kudos that he got it perfect in my mind. Yeah, I mean, I think there are several pieces here which are really very nicely handled. The whole relationship between him and his partner played by Peter McTeesey is, is played for. It, it's hard to do that. It shouldn't come off looking patronizing or it shouldn't come off looking um, one dimensional. I mean, there's a lot of depth to it. It kind of, uh, uh, yeah, it was, it was funny and, you know, unexpected. And, uh, you know, at, 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 at certain points, Bob Bettany's character is so miserable and so, detached that I was almost saying like why is this guy even with him you know like this 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 person is but you know of course the movie explains why why that is so I also like the fact that the that you know Alan Ball has deployed really great uh, actors to play his family members so you know Margot Martindale and uh, Lewis Smith who played like his mom and his aunt um, you know, they they say and do things which you would expect people from that time to do. Steve Zahn is his brother. Yeah, is is pretty good as well. And and you know, uh, what's her name? Um, Judy Greer. She does not. Ever, Judy Greer doesn't ever she's get any great. love. She's she's been doing amazing work for decades, and you know, so she, she's wonderful. Uh, her, his father, played by Stephen Root, was just a bit too much for me. It was hard for me that hard for me to believe that somebody could be that 
nasty, but maybe that's the whole point of it, that the whole generation was nasty like that. So um, there's a lot here to know on and uh, enjoy. Yeah, I, I think the movie would have actually been enhanced by taking on one or two fewer Mm-hmm. Um, issues and I think you know characters and also issues I think it was very layered um, very laid on thick rather at the end uh, kind of like your cake that you were talking about there yesterday I think it, um, although I'm not sure that cake would have necessarily been enhanced by being simple but it was it definitely sounded like it was there was an excess of, of elements thrown in and I think that detracted from the movie I agree with you again with the point you make about the the movie's ending really going dipping its toes into melodrama and it's like okay um but and and that you know given how the early parts of the movie the first act is impeccable i mean really is mm-hmm. the uh, really up until the midpoint of the movie it it doesn't place a single foot wrong i mean it's, it's engrossing the characters are are so believable it's it's world is done without um being you know super heavy handed and 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 overbearing and and there's it lacks a darkness that a lot of these you know like you said the the the, the standard narrative uh about you know coming out and families not accepting homosexuality is so tragic all the time and i think they were trying to do something different here so um yeah good stuff i also wish that the you know, the, the first act of the movie, as, as, as perfect as it is, it rests between this really sweet relationship between this girl who doesn't fit in with the rest of her family, with her uncle, who also does not fit in. And it was kind of, um, I wish that, you know, the last half of the movie kind of circled back on that relationship because it just, she almost drops out of the picture and then the rest of the movie becomes about the uncle. So I kind of almost missed her presence in a more, I mean, she's there, she's physically present, but kind of she's not part of the story as much in the in the second act. So I would have liked it to kind of circle back on their relationship, but but again, I'm I'm finding uh, small faults with it. Uh, why don't you sum that up, Yazdi? Why don't you give it a score? Yeah, a seven and a half out of uh, ten, which I'm going to be gracious—not gracious, which I'm going to be generous—and and, and uh, bump up to an eight out of ten. It's it's a good movie to watch uh, if you don't mind it just being a tad overcooked, uh, particularly towards the end. But just exceptional um, acting here, really good acting, and uh, you know you you watch all of these characters with some degree of fondness, which is hard to do as many characters as there are in the movie. Joe. I I enjoyed this movie tremendously. Again, the performances, I think, were what carried it um, for me and will forever remain in my memory. So 8 out of 10. I would love to have Uncle Frank as a permanent member of my family anytime. Easily 9 out of 10. Whoa. Mm. I love this movie. You responded, I know, very powerfully to this movie. movie. Mm. All right. Moving on then, Hillbilly Elegy. So, Yasti, can you tell us about Hillbilly Elegy? I sure can. So, in 2016, right around the time that uh, um, the nation was somewhat surprised to see the election results with, uh, you know, everybody expecting Hillary Clinton to win, right around that time, uh, J.D. Vance uh, uh, released a memoir called Hillbilly Elegy, and it, it, it remained on the bestseller list for a long, long time. And 
uh, rightfully or wrongfully, I don't know, I haven't read the memoir, um, there was a lot of discussion around how this particular story explained the disconnect within the country about how the, you know, the, the, the more affluent, the uh, you know, those who were better well off had kind of forgotten those who kind of, uh, you know, that part of the country which was not so well off and which was struggling. And I think, uh, again, for better or for worse, that that book became sort of a representation of uh, trying to understand at that time, you know, this this dichotomy between the two Americas. So, um, you know, uh, about four years later, we have the film version of that movie. It is directed by the great Ron Howard. And it's, of course, based on the book that J.D. JD Vance wrote, which is a memoir. So all the characters that we are seeing here are based on real life characters, his family. And um, it's uh, the co-writing credit is by Vanessa Taylor, who's written many uh, episodes of Games Thro uh, Game of Thrones and also written The Shape of Water. And uh, the primary um, uh, storyline for Hillbilly Elegy is, uh, is that the main character, J.D. Vance, recalls uh, growing up in a, in a, in a tight-knit family, first in... Uh, uh, you know, uh, rural America, and then after they moved towards the uh, another very poor part of the country, the uh, Appalachian uh, region of Ohio, how he grew up with his family there. And it kind of um, goes back and forth with the adult J.D. Vance as he's trying to land an interview at Yale Law School, and he's called back uh, to tend to his family. So, uh, the movie has a pretty uh, amazing cast. Uh, Amy Adams plays uh, J.D. Vance's mother. Glenn Close plays uh, his uh, grandmother. Uh, Gabriel Basso plays the the older J.D. Vance. And then Haley Bennett plays his sister. And Frida Pinto plays his female love interest. So uh, this movie is currently playing on Netflix. And what did you guys think of Hillbilly Elegy? You know, I really enjoyed the movie while I was watching it. And I think this is another example of some really incredible acting by Glenn Close um, in an above average movie. I think it gets some things really right. I like that it's saying something about the two Americas that we live in or have come to light and the guy who's straddling those, um, this kind of concept of elites in rural America. Um, I guess I felt like it was a somewhat coming of age movie in the sense that you see it, um, retrospectively. Um, but I was bothered by the voiceover and I was bothered by the fact that had this not been such a great performance by Glenn Close and then Amy Adams, that this one would have been easily lost. So it, it, had the makings of something absolutely incredible. It never quite reached those heights for me, but I really enjoyed it in the moment. And again, incredible performance by Glenn Close. So, Joe, I'm going to say something. I hope you know what I mean by this, but it kind of felt like a Clint Eastwood movie. Um, you know, the kind of movies that Clint Eastwood, and not the actor, but Clint Eastwood, the director makes, where it just felt very by the numbers, very conventional, scenes played out from scene to scene. Um, no, it didn't feel like the 
movie had behind it any real, um, you know, passionate message, which is unusual for a Ron Howard movie. I feel like as as one of the I, I won't call him you know the the great directors, but but certainly one of the the, the, the stronger directors mm-hmm. in recent years, um, and the somebody who's a, a very very capably able to evoke very passionate emotions and responses from an audience. It just felt very, you know, plain. So really, the um, I'm struggling to articulate, I guess, what I didn't like about the movie because the performances were good. It moved along at a brisk enough pace. I think maybe there wasn't enough room for the characters to breathe. I think this would have made more of a miniseries than, um, than the... You know, there was just kind of a lot of themes, you know, with the mother and the growing up and the grandmother. And I wanted to get to know some of the peripheral characters like the Glenn Close character. I mean, what made what made her who she is? I mean, you know, as interesting as that character was, it was it felt very you know peripheral. So um, it was OK. It's as and, it, you know, Netflix is a perfect place to see a movie like this you you put it on if you're not getting any entertainment value you stop it and you know i found that this was perfectly passable way of uh spending an evening yes d yeah i i found the movie very problematic i uh, <laughs> i it's it's very watchable but i don't know if it's a good movie i may even go forward and say i think it might be a bad movie and i think it's not a bad movie by intent or by malice i think it's a bad movie by accident uh because you know uh you know no ron howard is you know exactly he's not a great actor but he a great director but he's he's solid i mean he's made some incredible movies you know from the 80s and 90s and i don't know maybe like you said joe maybe he was just being very workmanlike here and just kind of adapting the book and going along. But I think the movie does the one thing that no movie should do. And I've mentioned this before, um, is that it comes off seeming like it has contempt for its own characters. <laughs> right. And I, I really felt the movie was being kind of mean hearted to his entire family. I mean, they're portrayed exceptionally poorly. Now, mind you, this is the memoir. I haven't read the memoir. Maybe maybe that's how the book is written. But it comes off like almost, almost giving a message that everybody in poor rural America is crap and the only way you can escape is by getting away to the city. Maybe I'm overreading this, but that to me is like, I, I think that's that's like a real reduction to believe that you know, like like he, he literally gets away. The only way he's able to kind of move on in life is by getting away from all of them. And I, so I, anyway, I just found the movie kind of troublesome when I was watching it. The Amy Adams character, I think she, you know, bless her heart, she acts her heart out. But just see how her character is presented. She is just a long list of miserable things that's happening to this woman. There is nothing... You know, she goes from one bad, in his memory, she goes from one bad incident to the other. There's nothing good about her connecting the uh, connecting in between the bad incidents. So she just comes off like a terrible caricature. So I, I had a really bad reaction to this. I The movie really rubbed me the wrong way. <laughs> I mean, I enjoyed it and I took it for what it was, Yazdi. I mean, I think the whole point of the movie was that he is who he is because of these two women in his life. 
Um, and then obviously his, you know, his partner in, in later life. And mm-hmm. um, it does that thing where at the end of the movie where it compares the real people, right? Like you get the sure. the card that comes up and what they're all doing now and where they all ended up. So I was I was pleasantly surprised by the portrayals, which were very good and, and like those people. And I think that it, it tries to say something about the narrative of what's going on in the country. So I think like Joe said, maybe this would have really benefited from being a mini series where you could really delve in. I don't think yeah. it's a caricature of it. Like I didn't, didn't feel like a caricature. I just don't feel like we got to know it as much as we should have. And so it, again, the most memorable thing for me is Glenn Close's, um, Absolutely. you know, performance. That's it. And again, yeah. if she wasn't in it, I don't think I'd be saying anything wonderful about it no i agree with you glenn close i I cannot falter i think she comes across as maybe the most fully formed character in the whole thing and maybe maybe again there's so many characters here that you can you don't have enough time to dwell on any of them i mean so she comes across very well and you know my my other thing is that this guy i kind of had the american hustle kind of feeling about the whole movie is that they all felt like they were you know, in costume, you know, they were all like playing somewhere like, especially Glenn Close. I mean, she's unrecognizable here. And then in the, in the final card, when you see the real picture of his grandmother, you realize, oh my God, they did an exceptionally good effort with making Glenn Close look like this other woman, but she gets buried under all this makeup. And, and it was hard for me to disassociate and say, this is a character. It always felt like, oh, it's Glenn Close behind all of this, you know, makeup. But again, I won't fault her. I mean, I, I think, you know, the opioid crisis is real and it's it's really devastating, you know, all of America, but more so urban America. And there's an opportunity here to say something about it, and it it's just completely lost. There's, I mean, there is a passing reference to the fact that his mom used to be a nurse, and so she had easy access to opioid medications. But beyond that. You know, there isn't much pathology to her. Why is why is she the way she is? And there's some suggestion of some abuse going on with his father as well that's not really dealt with. The movie unnecessarily goes back and forth, back and forth in time through its entire running time, which is fine. It's a device, but it really doesn't help the structure. It just seems gimmicky. So uh, maybe I'm being too critical about it, but, and it's very, I, I don't want to say it's not watchable. It's very, very watchable. And maybe the fault lies with the book and I need to read the book. Um, and it's, it's you know, I'm, I'm very, very proudly uh, liberal, but I almost think this movie is taking a cheap shot at those who are not liberals. And I, maybe I'm overreading it, but I felt that's not fair that you're making every rural person seem like this horrible, you know, like like every time the little kid is interacting with his family. Somebody else on the street is screaming or yelling. It's just, I don't know, it seemed very caricaturish to me. Sorry. That sounded like a summing up. Yeah, it's 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 well-intentioned movie, but it, it just, it came off really wrong for me. A, a very generous four out of 10. Really? If even that, it just, yeah. And I'd be very happy if Glenn Close got nominated and won even. She's, she's uh, that good, but she always is. Joe. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be generous and give this a six out of ten. I think 
uh, the movie has its problems, but I mean, in the moment, it was it was absolutely perfectly passable entertainment, and I I feel like it never really kind of got into its stride. I don't know what it was, you know. It, it had a lot of mixed kind of muddled uh, messages in there, but the performances were fine all round, and I think you know, like like you've said, it's worth watching for those alone. Um, you know, mm-hmm. and. Netflix, nothing to lose. You're already paying for it. Like, yeah, just give yeah. it a shot. Yeah, mm. I, I, I'm going to give this a seven. Um, again, an amazing performance by Glenn Close, probably career best. This is the same woman who was in Fatal Attraction. I mean, she's unrecognizable. Um, yeah, I think it's worth a watch. Yeah, it's a missed opportunity, though. I think it could have yeah. it could have done so much better. Like your report cards used to say, Yazdi. Yes, can do better. Can do better. <laughs> like I, I'm comparing it to something like Moonlight, which was also a story about a little boy growing up in a drug-infested neighborhood where, you know, there are drug dealers and everybody around. But I never got a sense that the movie is making fun of them or looking down at them. And yeah, I did. And maybe it's my fault. Maybe I'm overreading it. But well, yeah. I mean, critically, the movie's taken a pounding. I can't believe. And it's interesting. This is one of those. Um, you know when the Rotten Tomatoes critic score and audience score are really far apart? It's kind of fascinating mm-hmm. that this one is one of those. So the the, the critics, the Tomatometer um, has slain this movie with a 25%, and yet audiences seem to be enjoying it very much with an 84% rating. So um, that's wow. kind of interesting to me. Make mm-hmm. of that what you will. I don't have anything intelligent to say about it. Um Moving on, final movie of the week is Black Bear. So uh, this is from uh, writer-director Lawrence Michael Levine. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that this could be his directorial debut. He has lots of um, other work to his credit, but none as director. So apologies if uh, I have been mistaken on that. Um of course, we all watched it because the uh, amazing Aubrey Plaza is on the bill. Uh, we have Christopher Abbott, Sarah Gaydon, and Lindsay Bridge uh, as well in supporting roles. And the movie's summary is as follows. A filmmaker plays a calculated game of desire and jealousy in pursuit of a work of art that blurs the boundaries between autobiography and invention. So uh, I think all three of us have watched Black Bear. What do y'all think of it? Um, this I, is... Oh, oh, sorry, go, go on. Go ahead. I'll go after you. Okay, so so I feel like this is a movie that was made for me. It felt very Yorgos Lanthimos in its um, sensibility, um, and it is the perfect movie for, for an Aubrey Plaza lead. I love this movie. I don't know what we watched, but again, this feels like each actor had to do multiple roles in the same movie. And I just love the construction of it. It's like nothing I've ever seen before. I love this movie. Uh, You stole the words from my mouth. I was going to say this is my kind of movie uh, in every possible way. It's endlessly fascinating it leaves all these strands open and you can take this strand from here and this strand from here and try to tie it and see if it doesn't break um it's intellectually challenging it's um it has a very fascinating structure 
it almost challenges you to um, question which part is reality and which part is fiction. Uh, more than anything else, uh, it puts Aubrey Plaza in you know center stage and allows her to shine because she's a very particular screen presence. You know, she's always very prickly. She cannot play you know the kindly angel with wings. You know, she she always has a little bit of a little bit of a bite spice to her. Yeah, a little feistiness to her. Um, I. While I was watching it, I I was trying to piece it as I was going along. And then the movie kind of did this about turn. And then I was like scratching my head. But I was not scratching my head in frustration. I was scratching my head in wonder and delight. And like you said, I from... I, 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 okay, here's what I'm going to say. Stop listening to us and just go watch the movie. That's what I'm going to say. Because uh, there's there any, anything more I may say about the structure of the movie, I think, is a spoiler. Um, it's a very unusual two-part structure, and I don't want to say anything more, but I, I've i been thinking endlessly about how those two parts are connected, and I'm starting to see it, and I want to watch it again. But it's all kinds of wonderful. I just love this, love this, love this, love this. Joe. Joe. So I think I've been hanging out with you guys too much because I love this as well, and yeah, I thought that might surprise you in the sense of this movie is very unconventional. I think it has um, it has left me with, um, you know, like you say, Yessie, lots of mental fodder. Um, I'm trying to kind of piece together the meaning of it all. Uh, maybe I don't need to. Maybe it doesn't need to be over-intellectualized. I think maybe it is just playing a game with us as it plays with its protagonists. Um, but yeah, it's it's so much fun watching the about faces of each of these characters, of the different facets of the personalities that they bring to the table. Like it, it could literally be, you know, a couple of different... Well, it is. It, it feels like it's... Um, mm -hmm multiple um narratives woven into one movie but there's a coherence to them all linked by you know black bear um in some tangible way although i'm not quite sure where one of the pieces does that um the opening shot of aubrey plaza sitting on a deck mm -hmm. in Stunning. the uh, misty lake has multiple layers of meaning to it which are revealed over time yeah. so do pay attention to that opening scene um, when you watch it for the first time. Um, so, again, I, I, I feel like you, Yazdi, have probably already stepped into slightly narrative spoiler territory here, but it's a movie that's hard to talk about without talking about elements of its construction. Really, really clever stuff. And all three leads blew me away with yeah. um, everything that they did. The range. Yeah. And with the exception of Sarah Gadon, she's the she's an amazing Canadian actress. Um, she, I mean, I think, oh, God, I, it's hard to say much about this movie without getting into spoiler territory. But I think in, in, in the first part of the movie, when we see her, she has a, a lot of difficult work to do. But the two other actors, Aubrey Plaza and Christopher Abbott, have to do two amazing, very dynamic versions, and they are completely up to the task. Um, because I think the movie, it's almost like you're watching a movie 
you know, a regular movie two dimensionally. And at some point, a whole third dimension gets added to it, which puts what everything you have seen on a different perspective. And now it, you're kind of almost trying to see what, what is fitting in focus and what is not. Or does it? Um, I don't know. Yeah, or does it? And I, you know, I did enjoy the first, again, I'm, I'm being very careful. I enjoyed the first part a lot more than the second part of the movie, but maybe that's because the second part kind of helps explain some of the first part. But again, I, I don't want to see anything more. I think it's rare. Like this reminds me of movies like Palm Springs and, you know, other movies, which really somebody has spent a lot of time on the paper, a lot of time in the paper and built cleverness into the script. And it's not cleverness just for the sake of being cleverness. It's truly clever. And somebody has spent a lot of time, you know, drawing those, um, what do you yeah, call like them? Strings, you know, on a board. strings, the strings, and, yeah, the time. strings connecting everything, and it's just—it's uh, a great mental exercise. I, you know, this is the kind of movie which makes me happy for new young filmmakers. Well, it 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 marks has all the hallmarks of like an auteur, right? Like this mm-hmm. this writer director had a vision that I don't think on paper would have been very compelling. I don't know who would have green lit this script because you, yeah. you you simply wouldn't make sense of it on the page but when it when it's put together and edited into you know the visual experience that we, that is the movie black bear um it makes perfect sense of its mess and so again it has to is you know again very very singular vision kind of had to put this together and a lot of faith entrusted in this individual to uh, accomplish this because I think this could have gone wrong in a thousand different ways and yet here I am thinking um, this is definitely among the smartest movies that I've seen this Mm -hmm. year you know this is a year with a Christopher Nolan script in it so that's high high praise for me indeed right which was gobbledygook (laughs) Um, I I admire Aubrey Plaza so much. I mean, I've always loved her, you know, since we saw her in that um, little film, which was, uh, you know, the the one with um, the Duplass brothers, uh, Safety Not Guaranteed. I mean, that's Safety where I really guaranteed. noticed her, other than when she was in Parks and Rec. Parks and, and then Rec. I love yeah. her in The Little Hours, which is a great, funny little movie. And so I've always noticed Ingrid her. Goes Ingrid Goes West was where... I think she really came into her own. And if we thought that was good, this is exceptional in terms of her performance. So again, I'm going to be putting her down on my, on my, yeah. uh, you know, top, top, you know, female yeah. actor um, category. She's amazing. And Christopher Abbott He's as great. well. I mean, oh my he, God. Again, he's yeah. like a chameleon. Within the same movie. Yes. Um, and, I mean, Aubrey Plaza, I don't know if I want to have a beer with her. I'm, I'm genuinely scared of her. Me too. <laughs> you know, I'm scared of her. Like, she would she would burn your house down if you said the wrong thing, you know. But it's because she's so wonderful at what she does, you know. Uh, and this is a difficult role. Yes, it is. This is a effing difficult role. And I mean, of all it, difficulties... And that first half... Her role is a... Yeah. You feel so So, claustrophobic for her. Like, it's such a terrible situation she's in. It's such a weird situation unfolding. 
But even look at the events which play out in the second act of the movie. She she is doing an amazing job there, you know, playing a very specific person beset with a very specific problem. So um, this is clever with a capital C, and it's not that silly, ha-ha, look, Manu, hands kind of cleverness. This is really yeah. clever. Okay, yeah. let's sum this one up. Yazdi, why don't you go first? Oh, my God, I, I love this movie so much. Eight and a half out of ten, which is only going to go and grow higher in my esteem. So I'm going to back down to an eight, but it's a very, very anemic eight. You guys should all watch this. And don't watch it while you're drunk or whatever. You need your full attention while you're watching it. I guarantee you, ten minutes into the movie, you'll be sucked into it. And then you'll be like, at one point in the movie, we'll be like, what, what, what's going on? what's going on and then you'll when the movie ends you'll be like now i have to figure all this out in my head and i love those movies uh, brilliant acting this is uh, joe i just checked it it is the debut of this writer director uh can't wait to see what he does next uh it's a uh, brilliant truly brilliant film how can you only give it an eight and you gave sound of eight metal a nine <laughs> Yes, well, let's average him out here because I'm going to give this movie a nine. Uh, and uh-huh. I don't do no. that lightly. I mean, I think this movie earns every point of that. But what I will caution people is that I don't know that this is the kind of movie that gets a general wide recommendation. Like you have to make... I can't believe I'm saying this, but you you know you, know, you have to kind of put it in the category of, of, of you know, you mentioned Yorgos Lanthimos. This is a movie you kind of have to work at to enjoy. I don't think it's a Lanthimos-style movie, but what I'm trying to say is that you you can't... This isn't a passive viewing experience. Yeah, uh, This isn't that, yeah. the kind of movie that I would recommend to a wide swath of... You know, I wouldn't say to my dad, go watch Black Bear, because right. he would hate me for it. So, you know, just want to let... You know, this is a movie for movie lovers as well. It's a movie about movies, yes. Do you always say mm-hmm. that? I'm surprised you yes. didn't bring that yes. up in, in, in your review here because it is so very meta in everything it's that very it, meta. Um, it talks about. I mean, even the behind-the-scenes stuff. I mean, I got the sense that all of the extras were just the, the, the cast and crew of this movie hanging out in the place where the movie being made in the movie was being filmed. So, I mean, it blurred that line brilliantly. But again, all of those characters were, were extraordinarily be- believable as people on a small movie set. You know, just, just so many little little things. Touches, yeah. So I, I thought this was fabulous. Nine out of ten for me. I love this movie. Love, love, love. Yeah, yeah. Such a great brain fuck. It is, yeah, it is a, it is a mindfuck in that, yeah, I, I, I can't wait to watch it again and, and kind of try to piece everything together. And you know, it's, it's not so, it's not so obtuse or so deliberately pushing buttons like Lanthimos does. Um, it's, it's accessible enough that in the moment you'll enjoy it, but you can still walk away and then try to find the right connections. So, yeah. All right. Run, run, run. Don't walk. Where is this available? Do we know? This isn't available on on the... I think it's coming out. I think it's coming. I think uh, Neon is going to be releasing it on VOD and then eventually it'll show up as uh, streaming somewhere. Okay. So I'll see if I can 
research something to post in the show notes because I think the thing about this one is um, it's not on one of the major services right now. Um, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, if you can access this, please do. It's superb. Let's wrap up the podcast. Too many movies, too little time. Thank you once again, everybody, for listening to Movie Wallers and our nonsense banter. So until our next podcast, too many movies, too many, too many movies, too little time. A goodbye from me. And me. And me as well.